Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. How many of y'all have never seen an episode of Family Matters? I think, I think it's, I think it's uh, streaming on Hulu right now. So if you, uh, if you uh, haven't seen it, you would really, uh, I think you'd like it. It's, it's pretty funny. And um, the, the main character is a guy named Steve Urkel. He was the guy, well, there were two guys. He was the guy that was a real person. Um, and he's, he's kind of a nerd, you know, kind of like some of us. Um, but he was always creating these creatures. And he created a um, dummy of himself. And um, every Halloween on, on this show, he would have these dreams that his dummy came to life. And his name was Steve. And the dummy went by the name Stevel. Like evil Stevel. And um, he would always freak out when this dummy came to life because inanimate objects aren't supposed to come to life. That always creeps us out. You know, like how many like horror movies have been created where like a doll comes to life? Isn't that like, how many of you find like dolls to be creepy? I've always found dolls to be creepy, you know, especially like the older looking ones. Um, like there, there's a relative's house that we go to sometimes and she has a lot of dolls and like sometimes I'll just look across the room and there's a doll just staring into my soul. You know, it, it, we get scared when like inanimate objects seem to take on human qualities. Um, another one that kind of sometimes rubs us the wrong way. You remember um, last week we talked about, about these guys, right? We talked about skeletons in the closet. Um, and there's something about... there's. Yeah, the skeleton, the, I don't know what happened to the hand. He's like, hey, girlfriend. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I don't know what it is about skeletons that kind of creeps us out, you know, because we've all got them. But um, another thing that kind of creeps us out is when things that aren't supposed to be alive come alive. Um, and one of those things that I was thinking about, just like Steville, is Frankenstein. Um, how many of y'all kind of know the, 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 the story of Frankenstein, right? There's this guy, Dr. Frankenstein. He puts together, he has, first off, the creepy thing is he's got all these spare human body parts. Okay, you know, that's, <laughs> that, that should you know, raise some red flags, right? But he, he takes all these spare body parts and puts them together. And then one night, it's a stormy night, you know, on Halloween. And, and the lightning strikes and Frankenstein comes to life. And that's really creepy because when you see Frankenstein, he's, he, he's not really one person, right? <laughs> he's made up of like 50 different people. Um, and, and not all the, not all the, you know, you can see where the arms have been sewn on. Not all the bar, body, pat, bar, body patches, the, all, not all the body parts quite seem to match up, you know, and it's just awkward. And when you look at him, you're thinking he looks like a person but something's just not quite right. We've been talking about our families. Last week we talked about skeletons in your family's closet. Tonight we're going to talk about Frankenstein families. Because I think all of us, to a degree, anybody else hot in here, kind of burning up, or is it just the fact that I had a, um, I wonder if somebody could figure out the, the air conditioner there and kick it down to where we're freezing butt cold um that'd be nice <laughs> but like 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 hit the uh, um hit the uh, uh vegetables in the grocery store setting you yeah, know that, that would be that would be great um so but last week we talked about skeletons in the closet tonight we're going to talk about my dear old friend frank we're going to talk about frankenstein families because no matter what your family looks like right and we all kind of come from different family backgrounds 
a lot of us in the back of our heads, we feel about our families like some people feel about Frankenstein. Um, it's a lot of people who <laughs> you think, why in the world are we all living in the same house? Because we're totally different than each other, right? Like, like you, you, how many of y'all find it hard to believe that you and your siblings are the same people? How many of y'all find it hard to believe that you and your family, like you and your parents, like one of your parents like shares like the same DNA, you like, right? Um, because you're, you, sometimes, oh, I heard it kick on, glorious air conditioning. Um, but sometimes we feel like our families are just like, just like Frankenstein, this mismatched like conglomeration of parts of a family. And yeah, we walk around like a family, but we're so awkward and so weird and so dysfunctional. And we're so different compared to these other families that we see that there's something wrong with our family, that there's something wrong with us, and that surely God can't use me and God can't use my family because look at it. We talked about how God has a plan for your family. We talked about how God's plan for your family is to get... Yeah, is to gain victory over the skeletons in your closet. And then you're, you're like, Matt, that sounds great, but have you met my family? <laughs> like, 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 have you, yeah, Matt, you need to come to my house, like, after youth group on a Wednesday night and just see what it's like. You need to see the carnage. You need to hear the yelling. You need to see just the ridiculousness that goes on. You need to, you, you need to see how different I am from my mom or I am from my dad. You need to see the way I'm treated or the way that, you know, the, the way that my, my older sister or my younger brother treats me. You know, Matt, I get it. God has plans for most families. But have you met, have you met my family? Uh, we're going to meet a family tonight that is a Frankenstein family. Much like some of our families. Um, all of our, I think all of our families have people in them that maybe we think aren't, they don't quite fit. Maybe you're the person that you feel like I don't quite fit into my family. Um, maybe you have a stepmom or a stepdad and you're like, Matt, I know I'm supposed to honor my father and my mother, but what about this woman that came into my house? You know, like what am I supposed to do about her because she's not my mom and I'm not going to call her my mom. So how do I... You know, what, what, about, what about my family? Is your family a Frankenstein family? I want to introduce you to an interesting family in Scripture. And if you have your Bible, it's going to ta- I'm going to tell you now because it's going to take you a couple minutes to find it. Turn to the book of Hosea. It's like about, if you open your Bible almost halfway through, it's like just a little more than halfway through your Bible. Um, some of you know where Psalms is. So if you start at Psalms, you go Psalms, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. We won't stop there. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Joel, Hosea, right? No, it's Hosea, Joel. Yeah, I got it backwards. But there you go. You kind of know where it is. Hosea was a prophet. Um, and God called prophets to do some really weird things during this period of time in Israel. Um, Israel was God's nation. They had rebelled against God. God made covenants with them saying that if you follow my ways and if you keep my commandments, I will, I will use you in a special way and I will protect you and I will bless you. But Israel, they strayed very far from God. They turned their back, and you're going to see here in a little bit, they turned their back so, far, they, they turned their back so much against God 
that their country was divided into a northern and southern kingdom. Hosea lived in the northern kingdom of Israel. There were some other prophets kind of like Hosea. And God used these prophets not just to speak things to people. He used these prophets to demonstrate things to people. You know me and you know me. I like the, you know, I like the object lessons, right? Um, God loves object lessons. And God used these prophets to give some really interesting object lessons to the people of Israel. Isaiah. This is one you didn't hear about in Sunday school. Isaiah walked around in his underwear for quite a long period of time. About three months in public to demonstrate. Yeah, and that's back when <laughs> a, lot of the Bible, a lot of the Bible is descriptive. It's not prescriptive. It's not saying for you to go do this, right? Um, he, he, God told him to do this in order to demonstrate how Israel was going to be captured by an outside force and all turned into prisoners because that's what they used to do back then is they would march prisoners around without their outer garments to, to show that they captivated. So he t- think about poor Isaiah. He's like, Isaiah, I want you to walk around in your underwear in town for three, three, three months. And Isaiah's like, God, I'm, I may have heard that wrong. Um, Jeremiah, in order to demonstrate that, Ju- that, uh, uh, that Judea uh, was going to be held under the yoke of slavery and captivity... He walked around with a yoke in town, not like on the eggs, but like a, uh, you see it up there, a yoke for three weeks in his town. You imagine what that would have been like? And everybody's like, Jeremiah, what are you doing? And he's like, yeah, God's going to put you under the yoke of slavery. Ezekiel, he told Ezekiel to shave his head and his beard in public, which is something you didn't do in Israel. Like that was like considered to be a very shameful thing to do, right, John, to shave your beard. Like that's, that's a very, you know, that'd be a very shameful thing to do. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and, and, and he did that in public. And everybody's like, <gasps> he's like, God is about to bring shame on our country because we're not following God. So God has told these special men of God, these prophets that lived a couple, you know, over 2,000 years ago, about 2,500 years ago. He told them to do these specific things in order to demonstrate a point to the people they were trying to reach. Hosea is one of them. And you might... I, th- I think you could say that Hosea's object lesson was the most, um, I don't want to say bizarre, but it was the most memorable of all. So if you have your Bible, let's look at Hosea chapter 1. Let's see what God says to Israel. Verse 1, it says, The word of the Lord came to Hosea, the son of Barry, during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and during the reign of Jeroboam, son of Joash, king of Israel. When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him. So this is, this is God telling him what he wants, telling Hosea what he wants to do. He says, go marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. So he married Gomer, daughter of Deblam, and she conceived and bore him a son. This is a very, like some of you have other versions of the Bible, and if you're reading it, you're like, wow, Matt, my Bible didn't exactly say that. <laughs> you know, the, the wording in my Bible was even stronger than that. Um, I'm going to tell you what the, new, the, new, the King James Version, the New King James Version, and the ESV says. In verse 2, God says to Hosea, go marry a woman of whoredom and have children of whoredom with her. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of whoredom unto the Lord. 
That's why I like the NIV version. It's a little more teen appropriate, even though I said the other version. But I want you to understand what it's saying here. God told Hosea to marry someone who, because of an already pre-established pattern of her life, knew would cheat on him. I'm sure Hosea's like, uh, God, I, I, I've got this stuff in my ears. Like, I've got this ear condition. You know, let me, let me clean this wax out of my ears. You know, do the whole squirt of the ears thing. Because I thought you told me to go marry a promiscuous woman. And I know you didn't tell me that. You know, I could see him going like all Eddie Murphy on him. You know, and, and, and he, he squirted in and God says, yeah, I told you, go marry a promiscuous woman. So Hosea does. He marries this woman and her name's Gomer. If her name's Gomer, guys, just don't marry her. You know, if her name's gone, yeah, just that, that ends it, right? You know? Nobody here is named Gomer, right? Okay. <laughs> but that, that should have been the first warning sign, right? But he, he marries this, he marries this, this, this woman, this lady. And um, it says she conceived and bore him a son. I want you to also notice something in here. You can look long and hard into this, into this, um, this passage. At no point do you see any indication that it was Hosea who was the one that conceived the children with her. So she has three kids. She has three kids. And people have looked at Hosea from various lenses. A lot of them look at it, and this is the, a very good interpretation. That Hosea is a picture of how we as people, we as humans, we turned our backs on God like we were the gomers. Look at the person next to you and say, you're the gomer. Right. Um, you, the, you, the first interpretation is that is that we are the ones who turned our back on God. And what you're going to see later is that Hosea goes after his wife, even if she cheats on him, to, and, and wins her back. And that Jesus is, is Hosea is a type of Jesus, and Hosea is the one who came to, and, and Jesus is the one who came to us and won us back through the cross. That's the interpretation, and that's a a very good interpretation. I want to look at it through the lens of Hosea's kids. Remember last week we talked about how Jacob was, Jacob's name meant deceiver? Remember? And he was, he was the one that was just known as the deceiver? Well, look at what the names of these kids are that Hosea is born. The Lord said to Hosea, call him the first son, Jezreel, because I will soon punish the house of Jehu for the massacre at, Israel, at, for, for the massacre at Jezreel, and I'll put the, an end to the kingdom of Israel. He was named after, this boy Jezreel was named after a place in Israel where this is how far Israel has strayed from God. Where they sacrificed, this is, this, is, this is heavy stuff, I know. They sacrificed their children on altars to the false god Molech. So when this boy of Hosea's, let's call him Jezreel. That'd be like, let's call him violence against children. That'd be a great name for a kid, right? Right? So, imagine how this kid acted. How do you think this kid acted if his name was Violence? He was the violent one. He was the hothead. How many of y'all, you don't have to raise your hand, how many of y'all have a hothead in your family? Someone who goes from zero to six and you just, you know, they're the fight. You got to fight. How many of you, you are that person in your family? Anybody want to admit it? Okay. You know, you're, you're the hothead in your family, right? This kid was the hothead. So, the first part of this Frankenstein family we see is, it's got a hothead. I can imagine, and I'm not saying this to be funny, I'm just saying this to be serious. Um, I can imagine this guy had to be a fighter. Because if your mom was known as a promiscuous woman, can you imagine the joking and the making fun of that was, he was on the receiving end by his friends? Imagine his friends saying, Jezreel, you know, 
I saw your, I, yeah, I saw your mom walking around yesterday, da, 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 da. And Jezreel's like, you're not going to talk about my mama like that. You know? Do you know how it is? You know, somebody, you know, guys, if somebody insults our mama, I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're the Pope. Pope getting a beat down if he insults my mama. Right? So, so he, he, he was a fighter. This one, I think, is even more sad. Verse 6, Gomer conceived again and gave birth to a daughter. God said to Hosea, call her Lo-Rahama, which means not loved, for I will no longer show love to Israel. Um, I know this stage in my life isn't going to last forever, but Addison will do this thing to me sometimes, where if we're doing something together, she'll come up to me, and she'll grab my arm, and she'll look up at me and say, I love you, Daddy. And like, there's nothing better than that. There's nothing better than that. But I, I watch her when she does it. She holds it. She says, I love you, Dad. And then she looks at me and waits. You know what she wants to hear from me? I love you too, sweetie. That's what she wants to hear. And I don't, I don't care what they tell you uh, at school or on YouTube or on Google. Guys and girls are different. And, and, and it's, it's, this, is, you know, this is proven in the Bible. It's proven even scientifically that, that, that um, girls are generally a little more on the emotional side. And guys are generally more on the physically aggressive side. And one thing, everybody wants this, but I know one thing every girl wants to know more than anything else is, am I loved? Imagine this girl who was given the name, not loved. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what that was like for her? To where every time someone would say her name, it would remind her the reality of the situation in her family. It would remind her that her mom probably wasn't at home very often because she was out running around. And her dad was probably a basket case dealing with the whole situation. And all this was going on and she felt unnoticed and, and unloved. Is that the way you feel in your Frankenstein family? The final one, verse 8, it says, After she had weaned Lo-Ruhamah, the not loved, the, the daughter, Gomer had another son. The Lord said, call him Loami, which means not my people. For you're not my people and I'm not your God. You guys are smart enough to put two and two together here, right? A son born to a promiscuous woman and the dad names the son, not my people. What do you think is the story there? That this wife was running around on her husband and became pregnant and this son was a stepson to Hosea. That's what a lot of a lot of Bible scholars believe. Is that you? Are you the stepkid in your family? And you're surrounded by people that are supposed to be your family, but really the only thing that makes them your family is a piece of paper that you know was signed at a courthouse. I think we all kind of fit into one of those categories sometimes. You've got the dad who's just trying to keep things together. Maybe there's a parent in your house that's just trying to keep things together while the other one is battling all these demons we see this house that's just falling apart we see this family that's falling apart and we think how in the world can that happen well here's the truth about this family Hosea's family was an arrow pointing to Jesus with all the brokenness with all the lack of love, with all the promiscuity and running around and affairs, God had a plan for this family. 
I have this picture here. This, this may be before your time. I don't think people stood. Y'all remember when people used to stand outside of Little Caesars dancing with the signs? You know? Um, so, yeah, just like they were pointing to the pizza, this family was an arrow pointing to Jesus. You want to know how I know that? Skip over a chapter and look at verse 3. A lot of has transpired since then. Um, Hosea's wife, Gomer, she finally stopped coming home. She started living with another man. And this man was not a husband to her. Um, this man was a man who used her for human trafficking. That's not a, just a 2018 thing. That's been around for a long time. It's been a scourge on our, our, our human society for a long time. This wife is totally left. We don't know if the kids were with her or if the kids were with Hosea. But either way, their world has shattered because they've either lost a mother, some of you know how that feels, or they've lost a father. And some of you know how that feels. God says this to Hosea in chapter 3, verse 1. The Lord said to me, go show love to your wife again. Though she's loved by another man and is adulterous, love her as the Lord loves the Israelites. Though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cake. So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and a lethic of, of, of barley. And I told her, you're to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man, and I'll behave the same way towards you. We see Hosea going and finding the woman who left him. This was meant to illustrate a point, that Israel had left God. And because they had left God, they had walked away from God's blessings. But God makes a promise through Hosea that he's going to redeem his people. And he tells Hosea to do some specific things. First, he says, go show your love to your wife. Prove it. Do an act of love towards someone who gave you nothing but pain. And that's tough. That's tough. God call, called Hosea to go back to the very one who hurt him. He said, go show love to your wife. He reminded Hosea that even though his wife had abandoned him, that she was still his wife. And there was still a promise there. And there was still a covenant there. Just like God had a covenant with Israel. Then it, verse 2, it says, I bought her. It's right on the screen here. It says, I, this is Hosea speaking. He's narrating this whole situation. He says, I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and a lathic of barley. And we don't really use those kind of uh, things for currency or for money anymore. You know, we don't exchange, we don't swap, most of us don't swap farm animals anymore. <laughs> you know, it's a way of doing business, but they did back then. This woman had become so involved in this underworld of prostitution that she had someone who had claim to her. She became, she was a slave. She got so far into it, she was a slave of someone else. And Hosea got his money together. And he went and he bought back the wife who cheated on him and freed her from this slave owner, brought her back to his house. The price that he paid, 15 shekels of silver in the, in the barley, some people have done some, like, research, you know, and trying to figure it out. It was about half the cost of a dead slave. That's how much, in the eyes of the people around her, she was worth. Isn't that sad? But Jose went and he bought her. and He brought her back, and he didn't treat her as a slave. He didn't treat her as a commodity like this guy did. He brought her back into his house, and this is what he said to her. He said, I told her, you're to live with me many days. I don't just want you for an hour. I want you for the rest of my life. You must not 
be a prostitute or be intimate with any man. Don't go running around anymore. Stay here. And I will behave the same way towards you. He says, you can trust me. You were surrounded by all these people in the world who you couldn't trust, but you can trust me. And from what we can tell here, Gomer moved back in. She and Hosea lived together for the rest of their lives. I'm sure their family was not perfect after that point. There was a lot they had to work through. There was a lot of regret. Um, There were a lot of skeletons in the closet. But we see God, we see Hosea being a picture of Jesus redeeming this family. I wonder what, I always, I always go back to teenagers because at this point they've got to be teenagers. I wonder what Jezreel was like after that. What we learn is God renames all these kids too. And he says, you'll no longer be Jezreel. Why is that? Because his mom and dad were together again and he saw the purpose in his family. He tells, this is my favorite one, he tells um, Lorahama, the girl who was named unloved, he renames her and he names her loved. Isn't that beautiful? Um, I'm not an emotional guy, but that, that, get, you know, that almost makes me sweat, you know? Um, what, but here's what we're seeing in all this. Hosea's family was a picture of Jesus. We learn through this that God loves to use families to make a picture of Christ. God loves to use families that point in Christ. Remember, last week we talked about this full house family, how it was not your typical family, right? You've got a dad, you've got um, three sisters, you've got old Gibbler, who's just the weird friend, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, you've got two uncles, and you've got the uncle's wife later on in the show, right? You know, and then the, the other two kids. But you've, you've got this weird patchwork family. Maybe you feel like your, your family is a Frankenstein family. You know, and you're this pat, even if you, you, know, you may have step parents, step siblings, or maybe your family's just weird and you just mesh weird together. You feel like we're just this patchwork family that something must have gone wrong. There must have been a mistake. We learn that God loves to use families. I think about the way that God illustrates his relationship between him and us, and he loves to use families to illustrate it. He loves to use families to illustrate Jesus. We talked about how he used Jacob's family to illustrate Jesus. We talked about how he used Hosea's family to illustrate Jesus. When Jesus was talking about how he went after those who were lost, what did he use? He used the story of a prodigal son and a father who was always waiting for him to come back. God loves to use families to point to Christ. And he doesn't just love to use certain families. God wants to use your family to point to Christ. And that's kind of the bottom line is that my Frankenstein family can be an arrow that points to Jesus. To illustrate this, go back to Hosea chapter 1. I have this underlined several times. It's like really bold in my Bible. Um, And it says this. It says, when the Lord began to speak through Hosea. How did God speak through Hosea? Yeah, he gave him this. But to speak through Hosea, he gave him a family. I believe that God wants to speak through you, through your family. And I know, I know you're thinking, not my family, man. My family's too broken. My family's too messed up. My family's too dysfunctional. I'd like to introduce you to a guy named Hosea. 
who at the end of his life had this story that God brought redemption into my family. Look at me for this one. Look at me. God wants to use your family and you're working in your family and him working in your family to point others to Jesus. As, as difficult as your family is right now and as hard to deal with as your family is right now, God wants to use your family to point others to Jesus. And he wants you to play a part in it. So how do you play a part in it? Three S words and we're out of here. I was really trying to make these F words. I just couldn't make it work. The thesaurus just wasn't lining up for me. Um, the first is show love regardless. God told Hosea what in chapter three? He said, go show love to your wife again, though she's loved by another man. Even though maybe your family has done some, there's one, somebody in your family has done something hurtful towards you, why don't you show love to them? I'll tell you one thing. God is not telling you to go marry a promiscuous woman. <laughs> you know, we've got to learn how to pull the truths out of this. But one of the truths he's telling us is we're supposed to show love to people who don't love us back. What, did, what does the Bible say about, about Christ's love? It says, we love him because he first loved us. And we also, so we also must love one another to the measure that Jesus loved us. If Jesus loved us enough, to, even though we turned our back on him, to go to the cross and to die for us, we should be willing to show love to people who don't right away love us back. And even show love to people that have hurt us before. Next S word. Sacrifice with no expectation of return. You think Gomer could pay Hosea back for the price that he bought her with? Mm-mm. She had zero money to her name. She was in debt. That's why she was a slave. No expectation of return. Hosea, you've heard the term, have you heard the term bet the farm? You know what I mean by that? Hosea put all, you ever heard the term don't put all your eggs in one basket? You heard that one? Hosea put all his, all his eggs in a risky basket. And that risky basket was... Buying back this wife that had cheated on him and hurt him so many times. When we look at it, we think that's pretty reckless and that's pretty, um, that's pretty risky. But when it's God that tells us to do something, it's not risk and it's not reckless, it's faith. I think I've said this to you before. How do you spell faith? How do you spell faith? Faith is spelled R-I-S-K. Faith is spelled R-I-S-K. By doing things that God told you to do that in the eyes of everybody else don't make sense. The final thing is set good boundaries. One thing I don't want you to think is I've been hurt by someone in my family and that person is removed, kind of removed from my family and I need to go seek them out and put myself in a position to where I could be hurt or I could be bulldozed over again. Hosea sets boundaries. He says, you're to live with me. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man, and I'll behave the same way towards you. There are some people that you can love, but you cannot let them be intimately involved in your life again. Uh, maybe some of you have like kind of an estranged relationship with one of your parents to where you don't see that parent very often because of, of, of situations. Um, your, your parent has, has, has hurt you or hurt somebody in your family, and, 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 and it wouldn't be right for you to, to, to risk your spiritual life and to risk the things that you've had to get over by being directly associated with that person. You've got to set boundaries. Uh, yeah, I hope you don't, but statistically, probably half of you have somebody in your family, either immediate family or extended family, that struggles with drugs. And the one thing that I've, that, that I've learned, that we've learned, is if there's somebody that you love that's struggling with drugs and they ask you for money, the most loving thing you can do is 
not to give them the money, but to give them food, to take care of them, to help them get into detox, right? You have to set boundaries. You have to set boundaries that tell those people that you do love them and you want them to get better. Um, so I don't, we cut, we're kind of all over the board tonight. It was kind of a shocking passage, right? <laughs> when it starts out with take on a wife of whoredom, it just kind of goes downhill from there. Um, but where, where do you fall into your Frankenstein family? I want you to think about two things, two truths. The first thing is that God, as we said, God wants to use your family to point to Jesus. But the second thing is, how did these people's lives get changed? They got changed by God. God is the factor. Jesus is the factor. If you ever want your family to make sense, you've got to put your faith in Jesus. If you ever want life to make sense and you ever want to have a purpose, you've got to put your faith in Jesus. And if you've never put your faith in Jesus, if you don't know if you're saved, do it tonight. We're getting out early. You've got time to do it. Find a leader. Preferably not one dressed up in a gorilla suit. You know, find... <laughs> Or the mad, <laughs> mad hatter led me to Jesus. Uh, you know, find, find someone that you can talk to. If you've never put your faith in Jesus and you want life to make sense, find someone you can talk to. Talk to the friend that brought you. Ask him, how can I get saved? Maybe you, 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 there's just some serious stuff going on in your family. You need someone to talk with you and pray with you. Find one of us afterwards. We would love to talk with you and we would love to pray with you. So I'm going to pray. We're not going to put anybody in the middle tonight. Um, I want to give you the opportunity um, to respond. Um, but we're going we're gonna to pray, and then we have some costume winners that are going to get some cards. So, so, so let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you that you, you are the Hosea in our lives, um, that when we were dead in our sins and, and, and we did not seek you, you sought us, and you paid the ultimate cost on the cross. You bore our sins. You paid the cost. You paid the penalty, death, for our sins and that by putting our faith and our trust in you, um, by claiming your death on the cross, we can live forever. And our lives can be changed. Um, so God, I pray that we will hold on to that. That we will remember that. That even through the pain and the disorganization and the dysfunction, God, that you do have a plan for our family. That you do want to speak through our family. God, I pray if there's somebody here tonight that doesn't know you as their savior, that's never been saved. They don't know if everything is right between them and God. They don't know if they have a home in heaven when they die. That they'll make that right tonight. Jesus name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.